I'm Michelle Sachs, and you can find me on Instagram at mmsachs. Oh, sorry. I was, <laughs> I was writing the title of the episode in my head. I was like, <laughs> okay, sorry. <clears throat> okay. Welcome back to the Modern Lady Podcast. You're listening to episode 51. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay. And today we're talking about the two holiday classics. Ooh, Bing Crosby and Eggnog? Nope, Advent and Spiritual Warfare. (laughs) Ha (laughs) ha, well, (laughs) tis the season to be merry and bright, but sometimes that is easier said than done. This time of year, our daily grind can be pushed to its limits with all the extra trimmings, And the opportunity for mishaps just seems to ramp up the more we seek the interior peace and calm of Advent. So what really is going on here? Today, we take a much-needed, closer look within. But first, if you are a fan of the Modern Lady podcast, Michelle and I would be so thankful if you were to take a minute and rate and review our podcast on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. Every time someone gives us a new rating or review, it helps our little podcast become more visible. Your comments truly mean the world to us. This week's shout out goes to Tel Alessio, who left us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and said, quote, your podcast is so fun, educational, and inspiring. I live 2,000 miles away in Birmingham, Alabama, but as a Catholic stay-at-home mom, who also loves Murder, She Wrote, and old movies, I find you both so relatable. Thank you for sharing with everyone, end quote. Thank you so much for your comment and for your rating. It's always such a pleasure to connect with fellow Jessica Fletcher fangirls. And if you would like to leave us a comment, you can do so on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com, or you can leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram, where you can find us at The Modern Lady Podcast. But before we get into today's chat, Lindsay has our Modern Lady Tip of the Week. You've probably started your Christmas shopping, and while over 80% of us shop online while in our PJs and drinking coffee, many of us still have to go out, like outside, into the real world and talk with real people, and deal with trying to find actual parking spots, and sometimes the roads are icy, and then people can get icy. Okay, I'm getting stressed out just thinking about it. My tip of the week is simple. Be nice, be kind, be polite, and be patient. That's it. Simple, right? Can you remember what it was like to be 16 and working retail until 10 p.m. on a Saturday night because it's Christmas hours? Can you try to imagine the person that stole your parking spot closer to the mall maybe has three little kids in the back of the car? Can you shovel someone's sidewalk? Take their cart back? Pay for the coffee order for the next person in line behind you at the drive-thru? Sometimes it's easier to do the grand gestures, like buying gifts for the angel tree or helping at a food bank. Both great causes, but striving to be a person of virtue, even when you've been standing in a lineup for what seems like forever, can be the much harder task. According to a study published in Psychology Today, there is something called emotional contagion, and this means that our moods are contagious. And this study showed that for each happy person that is around you, your personal happiness increases by 9%. And while that doesn't sound like a lot, compare that to the very small 
2% increase in personal happiness that the researchers found comes with an increase of income by $5,000. Money really doesn't buy happiness. So this holiday season, as Michelle said in the opening, be merry and bright. Step up to help someone that needs help and remember that one person can change the moods of all of the people around them. One last thing, remember to smile. Apparently, one genuine smile stimulates our brains in the same way as 2,000 chocolate bars. <laughs> and any way that I can cut back on chocolate during the Christmas season sounds like a good plan to me. Well, I also would be happy with 2,000 chocolate bars. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <So> <laughs> and if a smile is all it takes, then fantastic. <laughs> oh, but that's, you know what? It's a simple but true fact, right? Is that just being kind to other people really does get everyone else feeling better and in a better mood. And what a simple, easy, free way to spread some charity, much needed charity in our world during Christmas. Especially, you know, that saying, Michelle, that be kind, you don't know the battles that somebody is fighting, that type of saying. Mm -hmm. You know what? This leads perfectly into today's episode because not everybody is happy during the Christmas season. And I think that that's really important to remember when we look around at the people around us. Well, I don't know about you, Lindsay, but it certainly has been a week, hasn't it? It sure has. And let's be honest with our listeners. It's been kind of a week and a half at this point because we tried oh, to yes. record this episode a couple of days ago and it wasn't going well, was it, Michelle? Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. No, we spent about an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. We're like, this is a 30 minute episode, right? But mm -hmm. an hour and a half not recording anything because of all the technical issues. And then uh, we rescheduled so many times, but then I got sick. And that's yeah. like just within the last two or three days. <laughs> that's right. And leading up to that, we did have both really, really rough weeks. And we mm -hmm. had had actually a different topic planned for this episode. And we will get back to that topic because it's a good one. But as we were talking, we started to realize that there is kind of a correlation between Advent starting and chaos erupting. And now I think it's important to point out that while correlation is happening and is noticeable, it's not always causation, right? There's a saying that correlation is not causation. So while we see that maybe things kind of start to spiral out of control at the start of Advent and perhaps the Christmas shopping season for people, it doesn't mean that Advent causes that. But we mm. thought this kind of confusion is a great thing to talk about. Like right now, among all of our friends and just to kind of work through our thoughts as we're recording it, like publicly on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> as we do, like right. we're always so open about our interior lives yes. on this podcast, very public forum. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the weeks leading up to Christmas, I think they're especially difficult because of the increased stress and activities and scheduling conflicts and you know, the pressure to remain merry and bright yeah. <laughs> throughout it all. So it just adds to that pressure to be joyful and sparkly, even though like our lives indicate something much different in a lot of the time. And I think we're so used to trying to minimize that and just say, well, at least someone isn't dying, which is what I said to you when mm. we were talking on the phone before recording this episode. And you were really quick to point out, and this really helped that, um, it isn't about one upping each other with trauma or devastating events, right? We don't always mm. have to say, well, at least everybody is healthy or at least somebody isn't dying. And while that is true, 
we've all been there. We've all had those horrific things happen. What you and I are talking about today are these, these daily troubles, these daily stresses that can really spiral out of control if they go unchecked. And so therefore they can't be minimized. You know, sometimes when we have a great loss or a great trauma, the message that's coming through to us that you and I believe comes from God, um, can be like a huge flashing sign. Like if you have a heart attack, it, you know, mm. the meaning is pretty clear. You need to get healthier for the most part. Or if you lose somebody close to you, it's pretty easy to step back once the grief has kind of settled to go, okay, it's a good chance to grow closer to those still left around me in my life. And so there can be great messages that are very noticeable during great trauma. And sometimes with the daily stresses, it's harder to see the message and the lesson that's in that, right? Because we feel mostly okay most of the time and we kind of just keep pushing through. Right. It's like, it's almost like the call to action, which often accompanies big things that happen in our lives. Um, you feel better when there's a plan, right? Mm-hmm. And so if there's uh, if there's something very tangible that you can recognize, I can, I can control this in a, in a certain way, um, then it, it almost makes it a little bit, uh, not easier. I'm not trying to say easier, but it, it gives you purpose, which helps you move forward. Right. Yeah. Um, but the little things when it's, when you add all of them up, and I think you were saying this earlier too, like the damage in the end can be just as destructive or painful as the big things, but we often just can't recognize the forest for the trees because they are so small and we don't realize that there's still the same amount of, you know, quote, casualties. Yeah. Um, they're just happening slower or a little bit more hidden. And so by the time we do tally up um, what's been happening, we're kind of hit with this wave that we were not expecting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You and I've been talking a lot about battles, right? And this, yeah. this topic today is really going to talk about spiritual warfare and something that we personally feel is very real. And so when we use this kind of battle motif, like what you were just saying, you know, when you look at world war two and there was like the blitzkrieg on London, there's mass casualties or mass things happening at once. And it's shocking and it's traumatic and it shakes everybody. And there's an immediate response, an immediate call to action, like you're saying the, the you know, people have to be shaken and get up and work to fix what happened. But in the daily battles, that was like trench warfare and just like people fighting one-on-one and killing the casualty list is still the same. It's huge. There's a massive loss of life, but there isn't mm-hmm. that rallying call necessarily on those small battlefield squabbles as there is when a whole city is bombed. And so what we're talking about is noticing within our own lives, the small things that are happening because it, it is still a daily battle and we still need to fight it. And we should be feeling that call to duty, that call to action in our everyday life. And just recognizing that there is a war going on for our souls, for our sanity, for our marriages, mm-hmm. for our families. And what you and I have both noticed is that this tends to ramp up when we are applying more um, action to our Christian devotional lives, right? So liturgically. And so Mm -hmm. with Advent starting, um, there's been noticeable spiritual attacks in in my family and in your life. And we find that this happens at Lent too, but today we're talking about Advent. Mm -hmm. And it's not something that we like to admit, I think even to ourselves, because it's in our minds, it's not supposed to be happening this way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's supposed to be this beautiful time. And so that's what makes it hard. But being able to admit it and recognize it and to f- feel it honestly, I think is even part of 
the battle itself, right? Like, isn't yeah. it part of the 12 step program where yeah. the call first, it for what it is, right? Isn't the first step is the first step is to admit that you have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And I think collectively, even, um, as a community and, um, like even within the church and stuff, the first step to fixing the problem is to admit that you have a problem and yeah. to not be overwhelmed with feeling guilty about having problems or seeing problems or right. yeah. attacks, right? But just saying like, okay, I acknowledge this for what it is. Now, what do I do? Yeah. How do I face this, right? And like you were saying, if it's something big, like if we're talking about like a traumatic event in a family, um, I think most people feel that rise to fight the battle then when you get a cancer diagnosis and, and I'm talking from experience within, you know, my mother-in-law and like close family members, um, you immediately go, okay, well now we have the information. We've been armed with the information. Mm -hmm. How are we going to try to fight this? We're not always going to win, but when something big like that happens, we kind of immediately want to fight back, right? You want to put on the armor, you want to fight, but we aren't feeling that in our day-to-day lives because we keep minimizing those little battles. But what you and I wanted to talk about is that the battles can be just as destructive. It's just sneakier. It comes in on a, you know, sneaks into our family, like that little crack that smoke can enter. And I think that there's no coincidence. And you and I talked about this, that recording that we are recording this today on a Friday versus our regular Tuesday. And this Friday happens to be the worldwide call to prayer and fasting and repentance from the Catholic church, because a lot of people are Mm. wanting to admit that, the world is kind of spiraling out of control right now. That's right. And, right. And they're like, so what can we do? And so normally we wouldn't record it on this day. And I think God's like, no, today's a pretty good day for you guys to record this episode. <laughs> Even though you guys aren't going to hear it today, it's a day where you and I are fasting. It's when we're, we're upping our prayer today. And, and, and there's a definite mm-hmm. call to action that we're acting on today. Right. And I am so inspired by it, right? Like rather than feel down about this reality that there is war happening um, on a supernatural level. Yes, yeah. For our souls, rather than cowering, I am so <laughs> fired up <laughs> that <laughs> as as a community of believers, at, at least, right, we are answering yeah. this call to recognize, like, no, there is another reality going on here, and it may not be as tangible, so it may go unnoticed a lot of the time. But we see you. Like yeah. You're not going to hide in the darkness and skulk around in the corners and stuff. We see you and yeah. we're not going to accept it. And this is, these are our families. This is mm-hmm. our, um, you know, this is God's world. This is Christ's kingdom mm-hmm. and we're in it. We're all in, right? Um, we shouldn't be surprised either when it tries to sneak in the back door, so to speak, into our families, into our personal lives. It's not always going yeah. to be from a a, a cultural um, attack, although there's plenty of those too. Um, you know, and being Catholics, we have, you know, the apparition of Our Lady at Fatima, you know, who revealed to, um, the shepherd children. Yes. <laughs> yeah. describe them. Uh, but she was telling, she revealed all kinds of things to them. And this is church approved um, her messages. And one of the things she says was that the final battle was going to be on the family. Right. And what better time to attack the family than the weeks leading up to Christmas? Yeah. When we're all going to be spending so much time with our families. Yeah. (laughs) Like it just when you start to put pieces together and the church is so beautiful in her wisdom (laughs) to give us these revelations and tools to fall on so that at the very least we're not taken aback and we're not caught off guard. It's like, oh, this is happening. Right. You said that it was going to happen. Okay. (laughs) 
I was like, I am prepared. No. Even Jesus said, he's like, if they attacked me, they're going to attack you. And for 2000 years, we've had this in scripture. And so we really cannot be surprised. Rather, we should be motivated and inspired to like plant our feet even more firmly and face it head on. I'm smiling so hard as you're saying all that. Like, I'm like rocking with giddiness because I'm like, <laughs> you might look at me and think, well, she's got her little apron on and she's baking an after school snack for her kids. And what you're not seeing is the mama bear, right? Like, yes, we are the mama bear the that warriors. will also rip your head off. Like, and I have my cute little apron on and I've got my lipstick on, but we are warriors. And this is our whole message for today. The battle is real. And we are here to fight it as the moms, as the women, as the homemakers. And we have a role to play on the home guard. We're going to get into that a little bit more um, if we're going to keep like, in the future. But we're going to keep talking about this battle mm-hmm. idea that um, if if you're married, your spouse, and if they work outside the home, they're going to fight that battle out there. But we are in charge of the home guard to protect our homes. And I just want to say that if you're listening to this and you're not Catholic and you're like, what the heck am I listening to? <laughs> What on earth are these women talking about? I want you to really think about this. If you and I were sitting out having a cocktail right now, and I firmly believe this, if I were to assemble my group of girlfriends, and a lot of my girlfriends are not Catholic, aren't even Christian, but I think that 99% of us could all sit together. And if I could say, do you ever feel like there's a dark cloud over your, your family? Mm-hmm. Or do you feel like there's like a bad energy or like, like karma's real, all these words that the world uses, all of these new agey terms, we're all talking about the same thing. It's right. just that from the church, we acknowledge that there's a spiritual battle going on and that we want to call it for what it is and that it's real and it does ramp up leading up to big feasts days in the church. And so not only as, you know, Catholic women, are we trying to make these Pinterest worthy Christmases? I mean, it's, it's St. Nicholas day this morning, right? So how many amazing pictures did we see of children's (laughs) shoes all sat out and all the gold coins and the chocolates? Like we're trying to create this amazing Pinterest worthy holiday for our families. And then on Mm -hmm. the, on the other hand, behind our back is a sword, like fighting off the spiritual attacks. And this is legit. Yeah. In addition to the St. Nicholas cute pictures of our kids shoes filled with chocolate coins yes. and whatnot it is also like you were saying the day of fasting and reparation yes. and stuff like that so many of us are doing it's both and yes it's both and right yeah the, of catholicism it's like we can we can do both <laughs> and saint nicholas himself i mean we talked about him in our mm-hmm. Evan episode not only did he help the poor he punched a heretic He's fighting too, right? Like he's doing kind acts of charity and mercy on one hand, and he's fighting the spiritual battle, literally punching somebody on the other side. What a great role model for us. St. Nicholas, pray for us today. And I think Mm -hmm. it's important, and you and I talk about this as well, and this is something I've talked about with my priest. We have to be very smart with this where we're not taking something that is spiritual and then making it psychological. And on the flip side, we're not taking that as something that is psychological and making it spiritual. Now, these things do Mm. overlap. You and I joked about making like a Venn diagram about this. Um, Mm -hmm. But like something like if I look at my own last couple of weeks and I'm like, yeah, I've been miserable. A lot's been going on. Well, at the same time, Michelle, I've been eating garbage. I haven't been exercising. (laughs) I haven't been sleeping. (laughs) So my skin is all broken out. I'm bloated and feel huge. Well, those aren't from Satan. Like that's not, that's right. not a spiritual sure. attack, right? Those are psychological things that I can deal with in, in a very human way. 
But then like, Mm -hmm. there are other things where I can go, no, this feels supernatural. And then we have to approach those things in a way that God's fighting with us because I can't fight that on my own. And, And at the same time, I do think that while some things are psychological and we have to fight on our own, everything in our lives can be fixed if we ap- apply, you know, prayer and fasting and reparation. And those kinds. Of, so like the spiritual should kind of overreach everything. But like right. you were saying about the devil, what's the quote that yeah. Father Ripperger says? <laughs> Father Ripperger, um, who is a priest who does, uh, who, who posts his homilies or someone else posts his homilies on um, Census Fidelium or one of our favorite channels on mm-hmm, YouTube. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, the devil isn't under every rock. He's just under every other rock. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I laughed out loud when I first heard that. I was like, oh, that is true. Like, um, it's kind of like, uh, what is the movie with Kaiser Sose? Oh, yeah. The Usual Suspects. Um, Right. Right. Like the greatest trick the devil ever played on the world was convincing it that he didn't exist. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of the the climate we're living in right now where like you're branded as crazy if you mm-hmm. talk about this kind of stuff. Right. But what I find so amazing about the Catholic Church's teaching on spiritual warfare is that it's true even in secular the secular world we have these terms for it. Yeah. Like bad karma, like a dark cloud and stuff like that. But the difference between the Catholic Church's response to these things and the secular response is that the Catholic Church says, okay, this is a reality. Here are your weapons. Let's go and fight. And I find that in the secular world, the response is always it's either very patronizing, like, um, like, yeah, it is hard. You better just like lie down and take yourself out of the game. It's fine. You don't have to worry about this stuff. Have another drink, you know, or it it writes you off right it's like oh you're just imagining things do you know what else happens too or they the world tells you to blame everybody else right protest like get all rage filled Mm -hmm. about everybody else the catholic church says fix yourself start with you acknowledge what you're doing wrong let's not sugarcoat it you're failing in a lot of ways (laughs) and (laughs) i've been more glad for in for this journey in my life than i've ever been for anything else that the church has told me where i'm failing because i can't get better if i don't know where i'm going wrong and yeah the world has a lot of problems but if everybody were to fix themselves first Right. Mm-hmm. And then lead that in their families. Um, you and I were talking about that Advent devotional that I'm obsessed with by Father Alfred Delp, who was yes. um, killed by the Nazis and wrote his Advent homilies from prison. And he said, and this just so struck me. He's like, yes, God has to shake the whole world. And he's writing during World War II. So they understand this mm-hmm. in a way you and I can't even wrap our heads around. Literally the world shaking. But he said, if we were to allow our own hearts to be shaken on an individual basis, there wouldn't be the need for the whole world to be shaken. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it starts with you. And it starts with me again in our aprons at our sinks. How do we fix ourselves and lead our families in this battle? Right. And I love what you're talking about, that we're the home guard, mm-hmm. that we're fighting on the home front if we are, in particular, if we are homemakers. Yep. And so um, we loved also making these connections between the home guard, the actual home guard yep. <laughs> during yep. the war and and our own situation. So um, maybe we should just share some of those things. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't be a Modern Lady podcast episode if we didn't get into a little bit about history and, and our love of all yes. this. So 
Um, on May the 10th, 1940, German soldiers started being parachuted into England so they could start like a ground invasion. Um, four days later, there was a radio appeal for men who were not actively fighting to join the Home Guard. At that time, it was called the Local Defense Volunteers, but it did become the Home Guard later. <clears throat> Within 24 hours, a quarter of a million men signed up and by July, so just from May to July, they had a full million members of their home guard. These guys wow. barely had any weapons. They didn't even have uniforms at first. Their training was kind of shoddy. Eventually, they did get some weapons that had been donated by civilians. But, you know, most of the resources were being used to train the active military. Mm-hmm. The thing is, many of the home guard, were they were just like too old or they were too young. And I'm talking like 17. And they were just inexperienced, the ones who were too young. They had jobs that kept them from the battlefields. You know, not every man could go fight if they were the local pharmacist or doctor or that kind of thing. So these are not mm. career soldiers, but they rose to the challenge. They had to patrol fields and coastlines by themselves in the pitch black at night. And I'm talking pitch black because these houses all had to be blocked at like you couldn't even light a cigarette, right. a spark a match um, without being arrested actually at that time. So it was like pitch black. These are, you know, 17 year old boys or 65 year old men out doing this by themselves. And their their hope was that they would catch and detain German soldiers found on British soil. There was never the expectation that they would fight them off or that they would win the battle. And I think that this is what really important. Their goal and the home guard was to detain them and to stop the threat, to stop or to delay the threat, not to win the battle. And so I think that this is like, as women, we have a really important role to play and uh, with guarding our home. So while we aren't the home guard, we are guarding our homes. And so we're responsible for things like the women of the time. They did things like these blackout measures, like we were talking about. So not even a crack of light could come through your windows. Um, the women built Anderson shelters, those shelters that were dug into the ground. They had to literally protect the children every day. There was no time to be a coward. You couldn't do that. Everyone was mm-hmm. called to do their duty. And there was great honor in doing their duty. Right, Michelle? Yeah. And all this talk really reminded me of when I was reading Dear Mrs. Bird Ooh. earlier this oh, yes. spring. Yes, yes. Yeah, it was during World War II, and she was a, a journalist um, but back at home. And she talked often about the duty of women and how hard it was because they were constantly worrying about their men, mm-hmm. off fighting in the front, about the advances of the Nazis, about all these bigger things happening at home but she's like but we have our own duties here that we cannot slack off on and she talked about like having to raise the children having to um, ration like figure out how life was going to work under such severe rationing because everything else had to go to the front Um, she talked about how amongst all of us of the volunteering the entering the workforce in addition to their homemaking and keeping society functioning so that there was a home to come back to you know, in addition to that, they had to have stiff upper, stiff upper lip, like um, be be brave uh, for the men who were fighting. Like they wanted the men to know that home was still here. That's the and, best part. Yes. Right. And and that we were we're OK. Don't worry about us. Worry about stopping the oncoming attack because right. we're we're holding down the fort here. And it both things were so important because they couldn't have fought as well if they were worried about home. Yeah. There are always then and now people fighting the bigger battles, always. And if you're married and you stay at home, 
Um, that's your husband going out into the workforce. He's fighting battles that we just don't have to fight, especially like I can honestly say that I live in a little bubble now. And I'm so thankful for that because I have lived outside of the bubble and the bubble's great. Um, and yeah. <laughs> so Jason goes out into the world. He sees things that I can't even imagine. And he fights a battle there, but my battle is no less important. And if you aren't married or your husband isn't that type of guy and you're listening to this going, well, I'm fighting both battles, that does happen too. And and I'm sorry mm-hmm. if you are having to carry both battles. Um, but the world has always been split up into people who have to go to the battlefront physically and people who have to stay back. And you and I were talking about how before the monasteries and the abbeys, and again, we'll go back to England here, but the, the monks and nuns who gave their lives over to just serve Lord, our Lord in a, in a consecrated way. Their role was to pray against spiritual battles and to pray for the rest of us 24 hours a day. That's all they did. They just cycled through mm. this constant fasting and prayer to protect the rest of us. We didn't even know it was happening. And when King Henry VIII shut down the monasteries, the dissolution of the monasteries, a lot of that, that, that wasn't happening anymore. There wasn't that mm. spiritual army happening of consecrated um, nuns and monks. And so we're saying here, whether it's somebody who goes out to the workforce or are consecrated religious, there are people that are fighting it for us. And then we have to rise up and take care of the home front. And again, whether you have children or not, we're talking about the home front as being in contrast to the battlefield. They're two different places and not necessarily literally, right? (laughs) Right. It's it's, the home front is protecting the the virtues of what society has always strived for like yes. we're the we're the keepers of all of those virtues and characteristics that make home worth protecting our world worth protecting right yeah. essentially the kingdom of god yeah <laughs> everything that makes we are the ones we are the protectors of the of that right? right we're the the final defense and i like what you're saying too that like being on the the home front being the home guard doesn't mean that we're not in the fight yeah. because we truly are like the bombs are falling all around us. It's not your imagination. Yes. Um, those women and the home guard in, in England, you know, during the Blitzkrieg and stuff like that, like they were in the war. Like yeah. it was, it was happening. <laughs> yeah. um, it was brought to their doorstep, right? That's right. And yeah. it's the, the same thing is still happening today for us. It's being brought right to our doorsteps and there is a, there is the front. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then there is us and both members have to be on top of things all the time in order for this battle to be won. So how do we do this, Michelle? Do we have some tips? Because how does the home guard take care of herself too, right? Because Mm -hmm. so I think one last point, like we're talking about, I think that it's really important and you touched on this, that we truly do a good job of this. We don't just fake it. Like we really learn how to protect our families. And so that if we're married, our husbands can go out into the workforce and know that we've got things locked down at home. It doesn't mean we're not going to have a bad day. It's not, we're not going to ever have the days where we don't send them the text going, I'm losing my mind. I'm having a complete meltdown. I mean, I sent that text last week to Jason, but it's really important that our, our husbands and our partners partner literally that they know that we've got this part taken care of to the best Mm -hmm. of our ability and that they can go out and and do what they're doing and it's literally making the money right to pay the bills back at home Mm. and do all that without the stresses of thinking that things are falling apart at home again that's not always going to happen things are going to fall apart at home we always talk about the postpartum period or if you're pregnant or you've got a million kids 
But oh well, even yesterday when I was so sick, Phil, yes, like Phil had to come. He had to come home. I couldn't move. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I bet it happens. It, it happens. does happen. Yeah. But so we're just saying that when you are in a place where you are kind of on a roll and you're taking care of things, you also do need to take care of yourself. So how do we take care of ourselves? And mm-hmm. the first thing is we need daily prayer time. I don't think you can talk to any believer who doesn't say, yeah, personal, quiet, daily prayer time is definitely the most important thing. And when that falls to the wayside, you can feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It almost feels like you're kind of left with left grasping for your, your shields, your weapons. You're just kind of, you feel empty handed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really important that we have girlfriends and good friends that we can lean on because again while our spouse can should be the person that we can say I'm having a really rough day that's important it's also important to not drop that on them if we can avoid it at certain times when they get home from work and you're having your cup of coffee together and you could talk about your days but my husband's a police officer I can't message him falling apart all the time when he's dealing with horrific things at work. Right. And so I need good Mm. girlfriends like you, Michelle, that I can Mm. lean on and just say, okay, today's a bad day. (laughs) I'm losing it. Yes. And you can say, eat some chocolate and oh, wait, just smile. Right. Smiling is like eating the chocolate. Just smile. It's 2000 chocolate bars. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's so important that we, like I said to you, yes, just rest, just rest. We'll forget it. Like let Mm. Phil take care. So have your good girlfriends. It's really important that you build a support system around you. And they had that. The women at the home front, if we go back to that, had that, right? They did lean on each other. They took care of each other's um, kids. They really bonded together. We can Mm -hmm. still do that today. It's that, that sisterhood is incredibly important. Right. It's a different kind of partnership, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, than the one you have with your husband. Um, both are very important. Both are are essential. Yeah. But the way that you can um, lean on your sisters is a very different way than how you lean on your husband. Yeah. And if you don't have that kind of community, it really would be beneficial to to seek out those people who are around you in your communities or online even, um, who share the same goals, the same values, the same, um, yeah, the same priorities in life that you can go to when you're, when you're feeling shaken or unsettled and just kind of look for that solidarity from women who know. The non-Catholic world talks all the time right now about finding your tribe, right? Like this is obviously there's a call to this in the secular world. And you and I are like, build your platoon, build your army. Like, yes, we Mm -hmm. all need to be praying for each other. I can't. The most incredible thing that I find that gets me through the day is when you or another friend will say, oh, I'm praying for you today. That's my army. Mm. Like we need all of that, all of us fighting together and united in that common goal, like you're saying. Another thing is really important is to stay physically healthy as women. Mm, yeah. And so hard to do <laughs> carrying babies oh my gosh. and breastfeeding and <laughs> just needing to have sugar to wake you up because you haven't slept that night. Like it is hard to do, but fasting, self-discipline when you're able to do those things and just literally stay physically health- healthy, trying to sleep, trying to get out for a little bit of a walk. We can't fight the battle physically if we are beaten up. It just can't happen, mm-hmm. right? Emotionally, physically, mm-hmm. spiritually. And last of all, Michelle, um, I told you I was doing this as I was folding the laundry this week. Um, I was really 
frustrated and angry at a bunch of things. And our, you know, we're never going to be able to always find out whose fault something is if things are falling apart. But I think it's really important to acknowledge whose fault it isn't. And it isn't mm. your kid's fault and it isn't your husband's fault for the most part, right? Yeah, sometimes they do things that are wrong. But I'm talking about like on a daily spiritual basis when you're frustrated. And so I actually was saying to myself, this isn't the kid's fault. This isn't the kid's fault. This isn't Jason's fault. And and so we can't always find out, yeah, who did it, but saying that it isn't theirs, it's releasing that pent up anger and frustration and just freeing them of that anger from you so that you can fight the battle um, and not just blame everybody else. Mm, yeah, I think that's so important uh, that we put the proper emphasis on where the problem is. Yeah. I think that's really key. Yeah, and I... I think, too, one of the best things we can do as well, and this is something that the church gives us, is this grander vision. Mm. Always keeping that bigger picture in mind what exactly we're fighting for because it makes all of these smaller tasks that strengthen us so much easier to keep up with, right? Like yeah. we we can think past this one incident, this one bad day, this one bad period in history, because there is something greater. There is eternity that we are fighting for here. Yeah. And so, you know, when I don't feel like going for a walk or I do feel like not taking care of myself or blaming other people, it makes it so much easier to plant my feet firmly in the ground and say, no, I'm not going to go that way. I'm going to push. I'm going to fight forward if I'm fighting towards something eternal and beyond what's going on in my head right now. That's right. We need to recognize that this is a call to duty, right? And mm -hmm. very few people have ever, quote, wanted to fight in these wars. Everybody mm. who rises to this does this from a sense of duty. And if we deepen our own understanding to this call, to our own duty, Wherever this might lead us, it might lead you to the kitchen sink or to a corporate corporate office or maybe to both, right? Maybe you are mm, working out all yes. uh, working outside of the home all day and then you still have to come home and clean dishes at the sink. Wherever you're being called, there is a sense of duty and there is an honor that we can feel if we respond to this call. And we have to be ready to fight because what you and I firmly believe, and we are not crazy for believing this, is that the battle is real and it is at your doorstep. So are you ready to respond to that call to duty? Okay, it's time for our What We're Loving This Week segment of the show. So Lindsay, what have you been loving this week? There's a podcast I've been loving and I just, I'm really excited about it because I haven't found a new podcast in a while that I absolutely love. And so here is a new one. Um, mm -hmm. It's called the History Chicks podcast. Have you ever heard of this? I have heard of them, but I haven't listened to any episodes. Dare I say it, Michelle? They might have a better rapport than you and I even have. <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, I get what our listeners have said before about how they've been turned off of like podcasts that have two hosts um, and but that they've liked how you and I jive because I don't get to hear you and I in that way. But I get I listen to this one. I'm like, oh, man, these women are awesome. Like they're so knowledgeable. Now, it's a longer form podcast, which I actually really like, but that's because I don't have to commute to work and keep things to a half hour. So like, I can listen <laughs> to the good hour and a half long ones. Um, but they just 
share these stories about women, which is something you and I've wanted to do with our little mini sods, mm. right? Um, but yes. they really, they, I've learned a lot. And I always like to think I know so much about history. They're really good at exposing what, um, a, a, sometimes a false narrative is or things that we've been told about, you know, famous historical figures. The first one, I found them because I looked up Ella Fitzgerald. Her mm. life story is incredible. And then I went on to the Barbie episode, <laughs> which oh. was incredible. <laughs> and then I'm like, ooh, Sarah Winchester. Um, she's a fascinating character from history. And they that was the one that blew my mind because they really blew a lot of the falsehoods about Sarah Winchester. So, mm. so informative, so educating, um, so educational. And their voices are just great to listen to. I really find all of a sudden I'm like, oh, it's over and it's been an hour and a half. And I just want more and more and more. So wow. the History Chicks podcast. Amazing. Well, that's what I'm going to do as soon as we get off mm-hmm. recording here. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. What have you been loving this week? Um, so I am almost done reading a novel called The 10,000 Doors of January Ooh. by Alex E. Harrow. And I really like it. It's a great fantasy novel. It kind of reminds me actually of A Wrinkle in Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you ever read A Wrinkle in Time? No, no. Oh, okay. So it has uh, similar themes. um, And it's actually really hard to summarize because I was trying to type out the notes and I'm like, I don't know how to describe this. But like Cole's notes, it centers around a young girl in the 1900s. And she has an unusual gift. And this gift leads her on this adventure into different worlds. Um, It's classic like race against time, but it's also a story about family, about love. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of things, but in a really easy to read format, I found that it flowed really easily. Uh, another thing I really liked about it, it's that it was almost lyrical the way it's written, which you don't really see a lot of right now. So it's a really beautiful style of writing that I enjoyed. Um, and I'm just at the part of the book now, the last 50 pages or so. And you know, if you're a reader, you know that mm-hmm. that's the point where, you know, if you're going to pick it up again, mm-hmm. you're going to have to finish it no matter what. So <laughs> I've been procrastinating until I have like a good solid amount of time when I know I won't have to put it back down again. But um, yeah, again, I think it's a, a new novel. I think it just came out recently, but it's called The 10,000 Doors of January. And I recommend it. Okay, that's going to do it for us this week. If you want to get in touch and chat with us about our topic today, you can find us on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com or leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram at The Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle Sachs, and you can find me on Instagram at mmsachs. And I'm Lindsay Murray, and you can find me on Instagram at lindsayhomemaker. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week and we will see you next time. Thank you.